what is really important to me is to be together with someone who's just open Mm -hmm. and willing to do the work. Like if I have that with a partner, then we're Gucci. Like we're like we're really, really good. That's like the foundation that I require in a relationship. Like they're mm-hmm. open and like, you know, wanting to explore and walk this path of remembering together with me. That is divine union to me. Welcome, beautiful souls. I'm your guide, Kato. I am a wild woman, spiritual teacher, and evolutionary astrologer. This is where I share my astrological wisdom, spiritual insights, and embodiment practices so you can live a more fulfilled life. I am here to usher you into your highest self and expand your consciousness. Welcome to As Above, So Below. Hello, lecker human beings. On today's episode, you will hear me being a guest on Adam Rowe's podcast called The Deep Dive. And this is because a little while ago, I posted a reel on my Instagram where I talked about that I used to have this belief that there are no conscious men around me and that I complain about this all the time. But all along, I was actually just complaining about my own lack of consciousness in some areas of my life. You know, we live in a mirror universe and like attracts like. So it made complete sense that I wasn't attracting any conscious man who's open to do the work, which made me feel so disappointed and angry at men for quite a long time. So I figured out as soon as I started doing the work myself and go deeper with all of this, my external reality started to shift and now I only see conscious men around me. And in this episode, you will hear us talk about the topic of consciousness and spirituality in the dating world and its role in the feminine and masculine dynamic alongside with some tantric principles that I touch on and a mini dive into Adam's natal chart. So let us know what you think of this episode. I'm super excited. Uh, You can share it on your stories with your biggest takeaways. We would absolutely love to see them. We're live, Kato, a.k.a. Kat Caitlin, and this conversation is a long time in the making for me uh, because the idea of where did all the conscious men go, where are all the conscious men, is something I have heard so many women say inside uh, what I would call the the conscious community, spiritual community. I don't even know. I I have so much resistance to even saying that now at this stage, but um, I've heard that a lot. And my, my male friends and I have lots of opinions about this. And it was so cool because you and I got connected through someone sending me your, your, a reel, I believe that you had made on Instagram uh, talking about the same thing and basically telling women to stop complaining that there's no conscious men. And I thought, wow, finally a a woman saying this, I want to, I want to have this conversation. So thank you for being on the deep dive with me today to explore this topic. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, I feel so seen and it's such an honor to be here today. Mm. Well, why don't you let people know right off the bat why you're qualified to have this deep dive conversation around <laughs> where did the conscious men go? Um, give people a little backstory. 
Mm, I love this question so much because it's like threatening my whole existence (laughs) because it's like, why do I feel qualified to do this work, right? So to be honest with you, it actually comes from um, kind of like a pain point in my life. It comes from suffering wherever for like a really long time I've been struggling with like relationships, with communication, like I wasn't able to speak up or to speak my truth, to set boundaries and stuff like that. And I kept attracting men that were basically treating me like shits. And, but I was also selling for that for a really long time as well. So like I take full responsibility for this, obviously. But like I've been, I think like the start of like my spiritual awakening, if I want to call it this way, is that it all like started with like my self-love journey where it, I came to the realization that I was basically selling for breadcrumbs, you know, of attention, of validation. And I'm a Leo son, like I'm, I'm professionally, I'm an astrologer and I had a look at your chart and you are a Leo rising. So yeah. I think like you will kind of like resonate with this, what I'm going to say, but like Leo energy, you know, like in general, we came back into this lifetime, if you believe in that, to actually learn valuable lessons around self-worth and basically learning how to become our own best friend in life. And not to depend on external validation, but rather give that validation to ourselves. Does that resonate for you as well? Yeah, definitely. And and what's funny is because as a Leo rising, I desire to be seen. I desire yeah. to be seen. And so there's this interesting juxtaposition of wanting to be seen, wanting to be on stage, wanting to have the mic, and simultaneously having mm-hmm. to learn how to not source my validation from mm-hmm. how others see me. Yeah, 100%. So like I'm on the same journey as you and I think it's like an ongoing journey for the rest of our lives, but this is exactly the lessons that we came here to learn and to integrate. So I was basically, I wasn't knowing, I I wasn't like, you know, realizing anything about like my self-worth and like the decisions I was made. Like I had no clue that that was like intertwined with my level of self-worth, right? So for I think I've been doing the work for like five years now and for the past two years I just kept complaining about how is it that I'm showing up in this way that I'm doing the work that I'm interested in like growing and becoming a better version of myself but I keep bumping into these men that are unconscious that are not open that like are just not interested in like walking this path with me. And I felt very lonely in that sense as well. So very, for a very long time, I just kept blaming these men, you know, like I wasn't taking self responsibility in the situation until I came to this realization of like, hey, wait a minute. I believe that we live in a like a mirror universe, like like attracts like. So like my level of consciousness will become a vibrational match for someone else's level of consciousness, right? Makes sense. So I was like, okay, well, what does that say about me and like where I am at on my journey, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like spiritual ego came into that as well. It was like intertwined, which is like a real thing, spiritual ego, where you think like you're so much more spiritual than other people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if you are familiar with this, but I have definitely been there. Yeah, there's no judgment. I've been there. (laughs) I've been on the giving and receiving end of that. Yeah. Same. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. And then I was just realizing like, fuck, there's something like a part of myself that I have not integrated or have completely healed yet. And this is where it comes down to my father wounds, which I kept coming up. And like, even like six, seven months ago when I was in Cape Town, because I lived there six months of the year, I got in this like relationship dynamic with a man 
who's absolutely a beautiful, gorgeous man, but he was stroking the shit out of me and he was reflecting a lot of my stuff that reminded me of my relationship with my dad. Like my dad, I love him now. Like we've got a better relationship, but like growing up, like he wasn't there. And if he were there, like, or if he was there, then he was just like criticizing me the whole time. I always like needed to work harder. He was so self-centered, never like asking any questions or showing any interest. And I saw like these traits coming back into my relationships. And like, even if after like all this time that I've been doing the work, it came back this year. And then it was for me like a big, big, like deep dive into like, okay, there's still some work to do for me. There's still some parts of myself that I have to look into and really like face a harsh truth. And then this year I've also done like beautiful plant medicine journeys. I've done ISA level one, ISA level two, which you are also very familiar with. So you know what it's like to do the shadow work. That, that's the and, International School of Temple Arts. Is it like a yeah. tantra, sex education um, uh, retreat, basically, for people listening? Yeah. I, I actually did uh, what I episodes of this podcast called What I Learned at Sex Camp. Mm. Um, that, that, my <laughs> spirit, or no, I think it was actually called my spiritual sexual shamanic experience is I believe the title of the, the podcast for people who want to hear specifically for what yeah. I went through at ISTA. But the unofficial title is what I learned at sex camp. I did a masterclass. <laughs> I actually did a masterclass <laughs> event, a free masterclass event called what I learned at sex camp, where I broke down some of those as well. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah, it's so much needed in this world. Like people should know about these tools and shadow work and like what, you know, sexuality or sacred sexuality is about. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of ISTA. Um, so yeah, what I basically wanted to say is like after I came back from Cape Town, back to Europe, and then I ended things with that man in Cape Town. And then I was just like, okay, well, now I'm going to commit to myself fully and I'm going to do 12 weeks minimum of intentional celibacy. And that's where like all my shit came up again. It's like kind of like a lay, like an onion with like all of these layers that like, you know, getting peeling and like deeper and deeper. And this is actually something I wholeheartedly recommend to like all my clients, to everyone to do like intentional celibacy at least once in your life. How long would you say for intentional celibacy? Like what would be the the amount of time that you would prescribe that you feel like is effective or not? Is it different for everyone or is there a, a time that you think is really important? I think so. I think like the minimum would be 12 weeks, like I said, but I think it's so specific to each and everyone. Like also for me, I define my own rules of like what that would look like, that container. So for me, I decided that I was not going to be intimate with any man. I wasn't going to engage or entertain any connection. I wasn't like on dating apps. So like I deleted those apps from my phone. I wasn't like flirting on Instagram or like seeking, you know, like looking for connections actively. I was really, really committed to myself and devoted to my work. And like, I also realized like, if I'm, if I'm wanting to call in a man who's like fully committed to me, I first need to know what it's like to fully commit to myself first. Because mm-hmm. how can I expect to step into this divine union between the divine masculine and divine feminine if I don't even truly understand what it's like to be in that union with myself. Does that make Mm. sense? Yeah. I I did five months of celibacy last year. Well, like in, in one go intentionally was five months. And, um, but there were also periods where it's like two months and, and whatever. I, it's funny because we say, is that celibacy? If it's just, but I, I was healing, and I mm-hmm. took the entire year off of um, 
relationship. I said, I will not be in a relationship in 2021. Absolutely not. No matter what I still allowed myself to date and even had sex and, and different intimate partnerships, like loverships for two weeks or whatever these different things, but removing the idea of it turning into a relationship, a monogamous Mm. partnership, removing that from the table um, was one of the most powerful things that I did. And then I got into, I saw myself get into a dynamic with a woman and I went, oh my gosh, this feels like how I felt in the past when I meet someone and I know there's there's connection and, and there's possibility, et cetera. And after a few weeks, making the decision and going, this is, this is not that thing. And what I realized mm-hmm. was that because I knew I would not be in a, a monogamous partnership with this person because of my commitment to myself, it gave me the pause. It gave me the space to say, to notice the things that were actually off. Whereas mm-hmm. previously there was a version of me that would have been so caught up in the love and the mm-hmm. passion and the lust that I would have turned it into something more because mm-hmm. I had been dating entire for my entire life. I thought the purpose was da- of dating was to find your primary partner. Mm. Like that's what dating's about. You date until you find someone that you want to be married. Like that's what you're, what dating's for. And dating last year without that on the table completely rewrote the story of what dating even is for Mm. me and what it means to me. And now I see dating as how I actually evolve in partnership and with myself in the realms mm-hmm. of sexual intimacy, physical intimacy, uh, emotional intimacy with another human, conscious mm-hmm. relating, commun- yeah. conscious communication, all of those things for me are what dating are about at yeah. this stage. And I trust that along the way of doing that, I will meet someone that it's a very clear, okay, now we're going to start a family and, and have babies mm-hmm. and, and spend the rest of our lives together. But that's a very different viewpoint of dating that completely shifted for me only because I forced myself to date without that end goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I truly believe that relationships are like the biggest catalyst for our growth. Like this is why I want to be in a relationship because it brings out stuff for me, the best, but also some lessons for me to to learn, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I love it that you also mentioned that like as you grow older, like your perception of relationships kind of like evolve over time as well. And that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of it. Like we get to define our own definition of like, what is dating or a relationship or a divine union? What does that look like for me? Like we don't have to follow like these default standards that we see in society. It's like, what does it mean for me in my life, right? How can I make the most out of this and really see it as spiritual growth and evolution for me to evolve as a soul? And this is why I found it such an (laughs) interesting question, what you asked me at the beginning of like, what makes you qualified? Well, so I run worldwide retreats, which is a combination of like astrology, conscious relationships, sacred sexuality and stuff like that. And when it comes to relationships, I always say like, hey guys, listen, I'm not an expert at relationships. Like I still fuck up at times. I still like don't have, you know, like 
the patience or like I still get triggered, but like I have cultivated over time the tools in my toolbox to know like how to regulate my nervous system, how to gain more emotional maturity and really how to sit with the discomfort that can, can you know, come up during conversation or a conflict and, and so on. So it's really about gaining more emotional maturity and getting these tools, right? So I don't believe that anyone is an expert in relationships. Like we're all just trying to figure it out, like what works for us, right? <laughs> well, I, I do think, think about the best baseball players on the planet. They still strike out. The best basketball players on the planet still miss shots. Yeah. The best relationship experts on the planet will still get triggered. They'll still get in fights. They'll still have breakups. They'll st- all of all of these things. And I think that um, if what you're saying is so resonant with me, because the growth of myself in relating is not based off of my how much less I necessarily get triggered. It's how quickly do I notice it? How easily do I let it go? How, um, mm-hmm. how do I navigate it in union as opposed yeah. to needing to remove myself and, and create disconnect in that process? These are the things that I use to evaluate it. And I find that along the way, um, so dating recently for me, because I've, I've started to open myself up to the possibility of meeting, uh, my life partner. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, dating has shifted. My lens on it has really shifted a lot into now Mm -hmm. I evaluate who I'm dating based off of things like, would they make a great mother? Or, um, you know, how do we navigate just a disagreement? How do we do that? How do we Mm. navigate, you know, if we cook dinner together, how do they show up in that experience in terms Mm -hmm. of helping, cleaning the dish? Like, how are (laughs) we, how do we work together is as a team as a team and that's that's been a a massive shift in the lens in which I previously that was something that I would notice along the way after following my initial just like lust and and passion and Mm -hmm. now it's such at the forefront that date one I'm in evaluation of that sort of stuff. I'm paying attention to it. And yeah. because I recognize that every, every moment that I spend with someone who is not pulling me forward in a, in a major way or not a potential life partner, it is taking me away from time I can be spending with myself, time I could be working on my, my business and what mm-hmm. is, I'm excited about, or even time that is open and available to meet someone else. So yeah. um, I think, starting to value the the time that we mm-hmm. have and get really clear that I do believe relationships are there f- for us to utilize them for growth. And the growth that we may be in in one chapter of our life mm-hmm. is not the growth that we may be in later on. And so relationships and the way we relate also get to change and shift based yeah. on mm-hmm. what it is we're working on and what we're calling in. Absolutely. I truly believe that it will deliver you the medicine that you need in that phase of your life, right? Which will shift depending on like when you're in your 20s and your 30s, your 40s, like you said as well, is like the way that you view dating now is completely different than when it was like when you're 21, for example, right? So I think like when it comes to conscious relating, like what is really important to me is to be together with someone who's just open 
mm-hmm. and willing to do the work. Like if I have that with a partner, then we're Gucci. Like we're like we're really really good. That's like the foundation that I require in a relationship. Like mm-hmm. they're open and like you know wanting to explore and walk this path of remembering together with me. That is divine union to me. So I would love to ask you as well, like, what is like a non-negotiable for you in a partnership? Um, what is a non-negotiable? So I have a list of 38 things that I want in a partner. I, I wrote this list out and it wound up being 38 as I thought <laughs> about it. And there are certain key elements in there um, that I didn't put in the list, which is interesting because to me, they're foundational. So for example, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. self-awareness and the ability to communicate mm. conscious communication these are just to me i don't even put them on my list of of 38 things because if they don't have that i'm not even they're not even in the consideration for me mm-hmm. because and i i learned something i'm actually um i was at burning man and i did this workshop uh where it's john wineland i'm not sure if you're familiar with his work yeah 100 i love him yeah i was great i got to drop in with him a lot he was in my camp so um the i wound up at his workshop with this woman that i was interested in and we did this relating exercise eye gazing and allowing mm. shifting energies where i'm in the feminine energy of allowing and, and she needs to penetrate and, and vice versa and she couldn't hold my emotional experience like she couldn't hold the gaze she got very uncomfortable she it just couldn't go there and in that moment i realized how important that is to me the mm. ability to actually hold presence mm-hmm. through the depth of my experience Mm-hmm. is what I want in partnership. And yeah. it's hard to describe what that practically looks like, but I know that my poetry, my my courses, my this podcast, the everything that I create comes from the depth of emotion. Yeah. From me. And it doesn't always have to be pain. It, it can be joy and bliss and love, but it is in the depths. And I find that my best poems come out of the times when I'm feeling most deeply in, mm-hmm. in all directions, just the most deep, the deeper I'm feeling, the better the art and the better my creations are. And mm-hmm. so I now am aware, Burning Man helped me see that I need someone who can hold the depth of my emotional experience where mm-hmm. I don't feel like when I'm in those depths of feeling of that they check out and disassociate. And so yeah. that was something powerful to learn about myself as a, as a yeah. deal breaker. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. So I'm a big fan of John Wyland's work. Um, this is actually one of the things that I will do as well when I have a new connection with a man is like one, I'll check out his birth chart. It's like a non-negotiable. Like I need to know what, what the fuck is going on in that I mean, chart. You, you checked out my birth chart. So I imagine you're just checking everyone's birth chart. Yeah, out. I have to. I love it. I'm obsessed. So like, that's my first step. But then the second step is I will, I will do this eye gazing heart to heart connection with this man and like do it for like 10 to 15 minutes and really see like, okay, what will come up? And if I notice that the man gets uncomfortable or he cannot hold the gaze, that is a sign to me that that man is not connected to his heart. Mm. Because if you look into each other's left eye, that is when we look into each other's soul. 
and there's nowhere to hide. It's even more intimate sometimes than having actual sex, right? Like having penetrative sex is so easy. You just have to take off your pants and let's fucking go. But like looking into each other's left eye for like like a decent amount of time it can be sometimes scary like all like uncomfortable feelings can come up some people start laughing some people start crying even I had like multiple of times that I started crying when doing this like at Ista for example with a man or a woman it doesn't matter like what gender I'm looking into someone's soul right into the depth of the soul and that is what creates intimacy and depth and Mm. safety and connection right well everyone also has a different threshold and the the furthest reaches of that threshold for them feels like that that for them is actually depth. It's like the deepest you can go. And so bringing up Ista, I did a breathing exercise with a woman, and you know yabyam position. Yeah, she's, she's sitting on my my lap with her legs around me, and we're breathing together. And um, every, we would get maybe three or four breaths in, and she would start laughing. And then I'd be like, okay, center. And then we'll go three or four, five breaths in. And she would just start laughing. She couldn't hold it, right? But word got back to me later on that she had shared that story with people from a place of the sexual energy was so intense that we couldn't even contain it. Like we couldn't even hold it. That's, that's, she was like, it was just so intense. And on my end, I was going, we didn't even get started. That was, we got like four or five breaths in, like not even, not four or five minutes, four or five breaths. And, but <laughs> the interesting thing, so I leave that experience thinking to myself, okay, this is not a thing. I have no interest here that will be only able to go to four or five breath depth, so to speak. And yeah. we left that experience going, this is one of the most powerful sexual connections I felt. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because that brings me back to this question that we were, the, our, our question, our theme for, for today, which is where did all the conscious men go? Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the biggest issues that I'm seeing is the evaluation of consciousness mm-hmm. is not, where it's not an even playing field. It's not, if someone can leave an experience thinking that, our sexual energy was through the roof and I can leave the experience thinking we never even got started. That shows you, is that, where did all the conscious men go? It's not even, it's Mm -hmm. like, are we even speaking the same language? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious that post that you made about where did all the conscious men go and, and your perspectives on that, were you hearing that amongst your girlfriends? Was that, what sparked that post? And And is this something you're hearing regularly? Mm, I have actually, um, but it, mostly for myself, <laughs> I was the one complaining, but all along I was also just complaining about my own lack of consciousness. That's why there's like no blame because like, you know, if I started showing up in different ways, like I was doing the work in a lot of ways, but there were still parts of me that I wasn't fully recognizing or like, you know, going really in depth with that. So as soon as I started unraveling that part, like from that moment, like everywhere where I look around me, I'm surrounded by conscious men and it's fucking beautiful. I celebrate you guys. Like you are so inspiring 
all of the men that I have in my community now, like this brother sister connections that I have without like any, you know, sexual connection. It's it's really something I celebrate because like for a long time I couldn't have those brother sister connections. Mm. So um, that was also like part of the healing journey of like calling in that brother sister connection. So yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, I'm just curious because I've I've heard this. I've heard this many times. And so what comes up for you when you hear this? I think I, I can't remember her her name. I think her last name's Armstrong. Allison Armstrong, I'm pretty sure her work. Um, and and she brings up a point which I think is really great, which is that women want men to be big, strong, hairy women. And men want women to be soft, supple, beautiful men in the sense of like the way that women evaluate consciousness, the way that women perceive consciousness, the way that the female consciousness operates Mm -hmm. is not the same as male consciousness. And I think that a lot of women in the community and men when they're viewing women, but specifically to our question, I think women in the community are thinking about how their consciousness evolves and how they feel seen by their sisters um, Mm -hmm. who are of the same consciousness as well. And Mm -hmm. then they project that out and basically say, well, if a man isn't like this, then he's not meeting me in consciousness. And Mm -hmm. I think that that to me is at the core heart root of this question and this issue. Mm -hmm. I think that when you combine that sort of distorted way of, of evaluating, Mm -hmm. I combine that with the fact that women dominate the personal development industry, meaning I would say 75% of people who you would consider on a personal development path, Mm -hmm especially in this, in the kind of the spiritual space, I would say 75% of them or more are women. And so, and have been for many years. And so there is a very practical aspect where there are just less, there are just less men in the space than mm-hmm. women. Um, and so that the combination of those two things, I think is at yeah. the root of this. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think that is though, that there is more women in this spiritual community than men? Because, Personal development at the end of the day, simply put, personal development is the exploration of your emotional experience. Why do I feel the way, what do I feel? Why do I feel it? And how do I shift it into something I might desire to feel more? Or it could be the expansion of your level of consciousness, which is the masculine Yeah, but I do think think that the way that through that is always going to be through the emotions. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think we expand spiritually through through just logical exploration. I, I don't think that that to me is like the. Pers- I think there is a balance of masculine and feminine. And I think there's a logical understanding that's necessary mm-hmm. to yeah. ground it in. I think that's mm-hmm. what the logic's for is to ground our our spiritual emotional experiences into human practicality and applicability. But yeah. I do think that um, at the heart of it. I don't know a single person who can walk the spiritual path or, or personal development journey without it mm. being led by what do I feel and why mm. do I feel that and how yeah. do I shift what I feel? And to your point or to your question, I 
believe that that comes more naturally to women. I think that the exploration mm-hmm. of one's emotions, the willingness to voice your emotions and communicate about your emotions and explore your emotions is something that is more natural to women and is also definitely more accepted mm-hmm. in society for women. And so since that is a foundational key element of what personal development is, I think that women are more naturally predisposed to lean into personal development. And I think that's a big reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense if you say it like that. Yeah. Do you feel like in your community that like that there's more men rising and like becoming interested in doing the work? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I think I think that we're seeing more and more men enter into personal development. Um, and here's the thing. Okay, Kazo, I, here's the thing. Men want to please women. That it's just factually, it's how it works. The, the divine masculine wants to penetrate and provide for the feminine. And mm-hmm. I feel like women have made it clear that they want more conscious men that women have made it clear that the, and there was a time period where what we saw as the type of man that gets women is the very machismo badass beating people up like doesn't give a shit um womanizer that was what was portrayed in movies that was mm-hmm. sort of in that time of mad men, it was like my career, making the money, I'm the, like that thing. And that's shifting now. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of why that's shifting now is women are making their own money. Mm-hmm. Women are taking control and they're taking their power back. And as a result of that, they don't need men to do the things that men did previously. And that's opening up this space for women to desire different things from men than they may mm-hmm. have desired in the past or be vocal about that. And mm-hmm. because men want to provide what women want, as as the feminine starts desiring different things, we're going to figure out how the hell to give it to you. <laughs> that's it. That's that's what I think is is at play. And I see a lot of men doing that work. And I want to, that's why I'm so excited to be having this conversation because mm-hmm. I, I, I mentioned to a female friend of mine that I was going to have this conversation. And she said, I used to think that I used to think that where are all the conscious men? And Mm -hmm. then she realized, she said, she realized I'm not a match. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm not a match. And she started doing a lot of inner work. And she said, she's now surrounded like you surrounded Mm -hmm. by conscious men. And I think that anytime I hear a woman say, where are all the conscious men? I can't find them. That's a giant red flag for me. It's a massive red flag. Mm, it makes complete sense that you're thinking or seeing this as a red flag. Yeah, 100%. So what I also truly believe is like when we start doing the work and shadow work and all of that, it's not like all of a sudden that I won't attract men who kind of symbolize the energy of my father wound, right? It's more like they will like still keep entering my field, but I feel like right now I'm kind of like this high status club where there's this uh, security guard, right? And there's so much more discernment now. And the security guard will be like, hey, you're allowed in, you're not, you know? So with doing the work, I feel like discernment and having more boundaries, it be, it comes from a, like a more embodied place now because there's so much more awareness and awareness is like in itself, like 80% of the work, it always starts with it because it creates choice, 
right? From there on, we can notice red flags, like you were saying, or orange flags or green flags. And then we can decide from there, like, hey, is this really a person that I want to be intimate with? Like, you know, like, what, what is, is the dynamic here? Why do I feel drawn to this person? Like, really asking deeper questions. I'm curious because you have, um, I mean, you do work in sacred sexuality. You've studied Tantra for many years. Uh, do you feel that being physically intimate with someone, uh, let's say, let's start with sex specifically. Um, if you're having penetrative sex, do you feel as you've done the work and dove deep into sacred sexuality and Tantra that you become more open and available to sex or less open and available <laughs> to sex with new people? I love this question so much because the more that I study Tantra, the more that I see my body as a sacred temple and that I will not allow just anyone to enter my sacred temple or my yoni. Mm -hmm. So there's way more discernment with that. And also like I've heard in the Tantra world that women hold on for so many years, like that energy of a man when a man is penetrating her into her womb. This is where we store all of our trauma and our heavy emotions and blocked emotions, right? So doing the armoring practices for example is so helpful to like release all of that repressed emotions so it doesn't turn into disease but um yeah to answer your question no actually you know a lot of people think like oh so you work as a tantra teacher does that mean that you're just having sex a lot you know a lot of the time with a different man you know every single week and I'm like well actually no it's quite like the opposite I'm like very very conscious with like who I'm and like allowing to enter that space because hmm. I see it as sacred and I want to treat it as a temple well I think it's interesting because there's this association that if that being sacred means being less available like being hmm. less open and no that's not I, what I, I mean yeah. Yeah. And and I've gone the other direction, interestingly mm. enough. So I used to put sex and women and everything on a massive pedestal. And okay. so for me, it was I I really well, I like I was the guy who tried to keep my virginity as long as possible. Um <laughs> and I've just always been that way. And then I realized as I started to do my own work in sacred, sacred sexuality and, and started doing my own sacred spot work uh, with facilitators and starting to heal sexual mm -hmm. trauma in my, my past, I realized so much of my holding of sex, yeah. I had identified as, yeah, I just, I just believe sex is the sacred act and, and you need to be in love and you need to just really have this thing. And then I went down this path of recognizing that pleasure and the act of sex, not disconnected, because there's a very big difference to have like disconnected unconscious sex, but to have mm -hmm. connected sex, to me, I became more open and available to it where mm. I, I literally had the first quote unquote one night stand of my life this year. I'm 37 years old. I'd never, never had a like meet you, have sex the night that we meet. And really that's kind of, kind of it. I'd never done that before. And I wow. think that, I think that um, that's an example. And it was beautiful. It was yeah. It, there was intention that was being set. There was conscious communication. The next morning, there was like a closing out of everything. It was done very intentionally. And I found it to be yeah. incredibly sacred. Yeah. And I never would have thought that when I was 
I actually went the other direction with it. Mm. I think this is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that because it's it is completely opposite to my story. Because like I was like the opposite when I was much younger. You know, like I'm a Leo son, so you know Leos are like cats, and cats love to sit on people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like living my fucking best life and just not being conscious about it, right? Again, there's no judgment there, um, but it's more like now that I see it differently and that I really want to, you know, contain my sexual energy for someone special and that I really, really have a deep soul connection with. And like, I completely understand that like that this could actually be a one night stand if you have that sacredness just in, during that one night and why the fuck not, you know, I'm not here to preach like... You have to <laughs> get married before you, you're going to have like sacred sex. Like not at all. Like this is also the beauty of Tantra. Like you define your own rules. Like what feels sacred to you and holy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when, when we're examining it through that lens of where did all the conscious men go, I think it, we can't even have that conversation without discussing sort of the differences in sexuality, and, mm. and I mean, we've both been, Ista, you've done level two. I haven't done le- level two, but it's wild. Yeah. I recommend wild. it. I see. I'm just not really called to it. Cause I have some idea of some of the things and, and, and I'm just going, it's not about being uncomfortable. It's actually going, I'm not sure that's what I need. Um, yeah. but honor I do, that. Yeah. And I do think though, that I have, I have seen in the ISTA community and in, in the community in general, a very sex positive outlook, a very sex positive community. And I would say that I, I, it's been messing with my mind a little bit (laughs) to Mm -hmm. navigate this stereotype. And it's very common by the way, for women to feel like they're closing more as they dive into their own sexuality and their own mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. tantrika and et cetera. Um, and men opening more and yeah. becoming more available for it. And yeah. I'm curious what sort of conversations go on behind closed doors amongst women around sex and sexuality in the conscious community that you're privy to. Oh. That's such a good question. I don't think I have the answer to that. What? Mm. Like your girlfriends and you, when you get together and you're talking about sex and sexuality, I'd be very curious how you've noticed, if there's any themes or trends that you're noticing um, that might even be helpful for men to be aware of. I'm I'm asking for myself in a lot of ways. Like, tell me what you women are talking about when it comes to this sort of thing. Because I I can tell you what men are talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to know that as well. We were getting no, like secret. all the insights. Oh, it's is it a secret? secret? No, we're no, going to trade secrets. Yeah, we're going to trade secrets right now just on a podcast <laughs> for thousands of listeners. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so something that I've noticed together with my girlfriends, and this is so essential when it comes to polarity work, but I've noticed that, you know, the level of safety that a man can provide for me in this container of this connection, you know, if he penetrates me first in my heart or through my heart and really makes me feel seen and cherished and valued and, you know, he makes me feel like a goddess, I can assure you that like it just opens up my yoni and like all the nectar starts to flow. 
you know, that's when like all the honey comes. And I've noticed with myself and also my girlfriends is like, we get so much more wet during sex when we feel so safe and we feel so seen. And I feel like a lot of men don't truly understand that. You know, like I've dated a man um, for a long time and his erotic blueprint is sexual, which means that like I just have to basically be running around naked and he's turned on, like he's ready to go. Whereas for me, I like I'm more energetic and sensual. So like I love that build up. I love like, you know, working with the senses, like very tantric. And yeah, I noticed that like he just wanted to penetrate me, but like I wasn't ready to be penetrated at all. So like this would be my advice from men as well is like never penetrate a woman when she's not ready yet. You know, like fire, um, men are like fire and women are like water, you know, like you guys are just like on, you're like ready to go, like <laughs> ready to hunt. Whereas for us women, like it takes time to boil our waters. So understanding this is so key because like, I've also noticed that it's such a huge turn off when a man penetrates me when I'm not like even feeling safe or I'm just not even ready, you know, it's, it's, and then I'm just like, okay, this is not a match for me. This is not going to work. Mm. So does that make sense? Yeah. And it also causes micro traumas. That's the kind of stuff that has to be de-armored as well. Like all, all of the times that women have been penetrated before they were ready or before they really energetically were even consenting um, yeah. to it. And I, yeah. I feel like that's a really great point. And I'm curious when you say that um, about safety for the men listening here or for women who are like, yeah, I want that, but don't know what to ask for. What are mm. some things that make you feel safe? Yeah, good question. So what makes me feel safe is when I have, you know, like one of my love languages is physical touch, but also quality time and communication. So the level of depth of your intimacy and the level of depth of your relationship really depends on the level of your communication. It's really so simple. And that's why like, I'm so big on like conscious communication and non-violent communication of Marshall Rosenberg, because that tool has just like changed my whole life. But like just sitting in the space and knowing that the man is, you know, having this undivided attention to me and communication is, in, is so important for me. That's kind of like, like foreplay, you know, like this is for me when we're playing and I'm seeing like, oh, let's tease, let's flirt, like let's explore. And like for me, foreplay can go on for like a whole night, like 10 hours of just talking and talking and talking. That opens up my yoni. <laughs> so I feel like for me, I would need like that soul connection, like eye gazing, setting the intention, um, really having a conversation about expectations, having the RBDSM conversation, which you're probably familiar with, Trista, it's really checking in of like, okay, where are you at? Like, what is your intention for this container? You know, and I've had times with a man that like he would literally set an intention at me after two dates, which is quite soon. But like, I was so shocked. But I was like, wow, this is a massive turn on because this makes me feel so safe. You know, and like he's holding set an intention after two dates, meaning yeah. Okay, so I, I want to create. Go ahead. Yeah. So like what he shared with me, he's like, OK, listen, I'm really, really interested in getting to know you like everything that you're about. I'm just so drawn to your energy and I want to know more about it. And like, I just want you to know that I'm not interested or engaging or entertaining any other connection right now with other women. Um, so I really like want to get to know you better, but also know that I'm not attached to any outcome. 
right? So like, are you open to that, to explore this connection further? And I was like, so shocked. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a turn on. Like this like level of clarity creates safety for me. Cause I was like, I'm exactly at the same page right now. I also don't know if I want a relationship or not, but like, I would love to get to know you. And I'm not like open to any other dating. Do you find, cause I've, I've been in that situation quite a bit, I would say in the last year of my life, which is being with women who I know want more and they want that like mm-hmm. time to lock it down. Let's have, have it be, be just the two of us here. Um, and I've been heavily resistant to that. And mm. one of the reasons I've been heavily resistant to that is because of my tendency in the past to mm-hmm. immediately go to that. And so in, in some ways, even if I meet someone I really like, I'm going in, in my old pattern, my old pattern, I just lost my, my microphone here. Can you still hear me? Yeah. So my old pattern is to... Uh, wind up just diving right to the the uh sorry i'm trying to fix my microphone yeah go ahead there we go sounds sounds good again yeah yeah so my old pattern is to meet someone have a deep connection and immediately want to jump into a monogamous container Mm -hmm. and my new pattern in some ways is just forcing myself to sit in the discomfort of not doing that. And I think there's a pendulum swing. I think there is a healthy balance that I'm learning to find and I, I, mm-hmm. and I am finding it. But do you, would you feel as safe if it came in the other direction? Would, it, would you feel as safe if the man said, listen, I really like you. I want to explore this with you. I'm excited to. And I just want to let you know, I'm still going to be dating other women and entertaining other women during this time. Mm-hmm. And if you want anything different at any point, just communicate that to me and we can have a conversation about it. But I just wanted to let you know where I'm at. Would that actually provide you the same level of safety or was it the fact that he cut off the other uh, uh, relationships that made you feel safe? I think both. Just like, you know, having that conversation, that clarity is sexy as fuck to me. Like that creates safety for me. It could be different for other people. That's completely fine. But I felt like from my own experiences, I was like, yeah, this is kind of like the containers that I want to, you know, have and create with the man that I'm, you know, getting to know, like getting intimate with. But I kind of understand like you are kind of like more like go with the flow, right? Like when it comes (laughs) to relationships. I've I've never been asked that. You mean just kind of see where it goes? Yeah, because you have your Venus, I think, in Pisces. So that means like more like going with, Venus, yeah, just more like going with the flow. I, I feel like I've, it's so funny that you say that. And it's also very interesting. I've never been on a podcast, had a guest on a podcast who has my chart in front of them while they were talking. Um, I do think for me, I've always been incredibly regimented and needed structure. I wasn't go with the flow. And the reason mm. why that, but the reason why was because of deep wounding yeah. and deep fear. I've been cheated on so many times and like mm-hmm. all of that from early on in my life that led me to go, I need to know where we stand, what we are, yeah. what are our boundaries. I just needed that because of my fears and insecurities mm-hmm. and wounding as a result of doing all this healing work, 
Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I carry those anymore. I don't yeah. feel like I am walking through the world with that. And so I don't need those same protections. Mm-hmm. And this is the window as a single man. This is the window of opportunity that I have to basically explore doing it differently, intentionally yeah. doing it differently. And so I feel the go with the flow. Let's keep it open. Let's see what happens. Mentality is not my default and I'm trying it on. Mm, I love that that you say that because you've got massive Capricorn energy. Like it's you've got so much earth in your chart and also water, so you're basically mud. <laughs> no, just, that's what um, it feels like. <laughs> you see me, you get it. I'm basically just mud oh, constantly, yeah. melting, solidifying. You don't know what's <laughs> happening, and it's messy all the time. Yeah. So this is my astrology reading to you. The summary of your chart. No. Great. Yeah, no jokes. No, but like the Capricorn, like it's earth, you know, like an earth desires structure, clarity. Like I also have a lot of earth in my chart with the Virgo energy. So, and also with that, that creates safety again, right? But then your Venus and your Mars, which tells us a lot about like what you love or like how you love to have your relationships. And like also Mars is a symbol or like a planet for sexuality, right? So and Pisces is actually the opposite. It's so, so much more like unstructured, go with the flow hippie kind of vibes very creative spiritual you know so I think like the older we are becoming the more we are becoming our chart as well right Mm. this is the evolvement of your soul or who you're like meant to become in this lifetime does that make sense yeah and I've always associated Pisces as being just also very romantic it's just yeah do you feel that as well oh I'm such a romantic absolutely but and and there's there's a grounding when you speak to as we evolve, uh, we become more our chart. I've noticed that in the early early years, the romantic in me was very ungrounded. It was very yeah. like um, the fairy tale. Yeah. But holding on to the fairy tale so much. And it yeah. was as I've gotten older that I've learned, okay, how do I bring the romantic that loves the fairy? I'm a poet. Come on. Like yeah. how I love, <laughs> love, love. Yeah, I love to <laughs> love. It's just I I I absolutely enjoy the fuck out of it. And yeah, how how can I do that in a way that doesn't become ungrounded how can i do it in a way that continues to hold the the reality of being human very very alive so i see this as it's not like either this or that i see it as a gift that you both carry capricorn and pisces in your chart you're here to like alchemize those two energies like the capricorn will help you to build a structure you know to be the container but then the pisces is just go with the flow and being so romantic so i see them like going hand in hand Mm -hmm. and i find it interesting that you say that as well like the shadow side of pisces is like you know this kind of like this illusion or this disillusionment. And it's kind of like you're looking at it from or with rose-colored glasses and not really truly seeing things as what they are, you know? And that's not like you're falling in love with love or falling in love with potential, for example. It's mm-hmm. such like a massive Pisces thing. I'm a Pisces <laughs> rising, so I okay. resonate with that as well. Yeah. Well, I, I love where this conversation has gone. Now I'm getting somewhat of it. All, all, my, all the listeners are are going, oh, now it makes sense. That, now, Adam, <laughs> I get where Adam's coming from. So thank you for that clarity. I, I do think the Capricorn, being a double Capricorn, sun and moon in Capricorn, yeah. and then double Pisces, in many ways, I feel like my role here and why I'm here is to 
have like frameworks and understanding and structure around love to, mm-hmm. to, to really like yeah. understand love to the best yeah. of your ability and, and translate that in, into the world. Yeah. And it's in the eighth house, both your Venus and Mars. So you want to go deep. You're not taking superficial mundane things. You want to go deep, baby. And like (laughs) Venus is also like what your work is about. So Venus uh, in Pisces is, you know, the the poet in you, the deep dive podcast. Like it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. And this is when you thrive. The Leo rising is the part of me that takes all of that and puts it on stage. It's like, look at me. Let me share (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And what I find so interesting is that you've got your Chiron, which is your pain point in Gemini, which is the archetype of communication. So it just means that communication is like a big theme in your life, right? Like, you know, you, you're very, you're a very curious being. You've got your moon conjunct Mercury. So you're like, you love learning, you love studying, you love having conversations, like it feeds your mind. But maybe there was a wounding around your mind or a wounding around not being able to speak your truth or like a, a blocked throat chakra or, and maybe that's why like you're so into communication, such as having your podcast and being a poet and like your social media and stuff like that, because that is true you or for you a way to share your medicine with the world. And that's exactly what Karen talks about. It's like, we're becoming or meant to become a mentor or a spiritual healer in that realm. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. And um, I think this is a good kind of landing the plane point um, for the podcast because I now am, I'm thinking to myself, I got to get a reading with, with you. <laughs> got Caitlin just <laughs> dropping some massive uh, astrology <laughs> wisdom. And, and is there anything else? So let people know where, they can get more of you. I imagine many people are going to be like, man, I want to get some of your astrology knowledge, but also sacred sexuality and so much. And um, also just if there's anything else that you'd like to add or say that we didn't cover in this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, So yeah, I mainly work as an astrologer and I really see this as my gift is as a manifesting generator is I've, I've kind of like found like a common threat between astrology, conscious relationships, conscious communication, sacred sexuality and so on. And like that's kind of like my unique gift that I get to share with the world. So I'm very passionate about, you know, this is also like what my retreats are about. Our next one is in Luxembourg and Italy, then back in South Africa and Cape Town in January. So like if anyone feels like, oh, I'm really lacking some embodiment or I would love to have this deep dive into like all of these modalities and really connect back to my essence, like my purpose, like my own sensuality, you know, my lust or my zest for life and my life force, basically, I cover it all. Um, So yeah, I do like kind of like when I'm working with my clients, I've got like this eight weeks program where it's all about like, you know, starting out with the natal chart because that's like the map of your consciousness of like where you are at in this moment, in this phase of your life. And then it really starts from there because from there I kind of like see like what is holding you back energetically. And then we are going to unlock those energetic blockages in the course of those eight weeks. So that's kind of like my signature program, which is called embodied sovereignty, the mentorship program. And then, yeah, if you want to vibe with me on Instagram, um, my Instagram handle is at Kat Caitlin and my website is called as above so below that's also my podcast so yeah come say hi in the dms I love to connect with you guys and yeah that's basically it 
there it is. I encourage you to check out uh, her content. That's what got us here in the first place. Someone sending me your content. So I'm, I'm a big fan and um, also just really grateful that you, at the end of this conversation coming around to, it's all a reflection. It's all a reflection. And so it's our own inner work and our own inner journey that's going to attract the conscious men or women out, out there in the field. And so um, I appreciate that. I agree with it. And I hope that for all of you deep divers who have been listening, that this has been useful for you as you're out there navigating this crazy world of dating and, and whether you're in partnership or not, the masculine feminine dynamics are infinite in the potentials to get lost in conversation around and study around. So um, thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Thank you, um, Kato, for, for being a part of this. Um, and uh, for all of you listening, if you did get value, please share this out. Tag me, tag at the deep dive, tag Kat Caitlin on Instagram so we can repost that and let us know your thoughts. Let us know what this brought up for you. Share it with a partner, maybe share it, share it with your friends and family. And I want to remind you that always in always you are seen, you are heard and you are loved. And I hope you have a really blessed day. Ah, it's conversations like these that make my heart so full of love. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning in today, my love. I enjoyed having you and I hope this episode inspired you and expanded your consciousness and your heart. If you want to connect more deeply, you can come join me on Instagram at KatCaitlin. I would highly appreciate it if you rate and leave a review on the podcast. I would be absolutely most grateful for you. And obviously, as a little gift in return, I'll send you a mini reading regarding your purpose. All you basically have to do is just slide into my DMs on Instagram and send me a screenshot of your review plus your birth date details and your email address. Let's raise the vibration together because when I rise, you rise and we rise together as a collective. So yeah, I cannot wait to see you again in the next episodes. Until then, keep spreading your light. I'll see you soon.